This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Come on, let's all go to the lobby. Because people are staring at us listening to these shows while we're in the theater. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 no. You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. You see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year, and welcome to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, I must inform you that this is Episode 10. My name is Pete. This is Jane. And I'm Paul. The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite old-time radio series. Episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series, or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old radio like to discuss, either in person or on social media. We'll open each episode by introducing the selection, then discussing it briefly, and then we're going to play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end and discuss it at length, and each of us will give our opinions on its merit, its performances, or anything else that stands out for us. And that's exactly what we're presenting to you, just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us. And in fact, we may not agree with each other, but we do hope you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Each of us three will take turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month's choice was mine, and that was an episode of the Bing Crosby Chesterfield show, in case you didn't hear it, and it was our very first holiday show. This month, we come around again to Jane, and what do you have for us, Jane? Well... First of all, Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back. And um, this time I'm bringing everybody an episode of the Abbott and Costello show. We are going to hear a performance uh, that originally aired in November of 1945 called Abbott and Costello Open a Gas Station. I picked this uh, um Well, I'll tell you about why I picked it after we listened to it. Let's get right to the show. Without further delay, we present Opening a Gas Station from November 29th, 1945. It's Abbott and Costello. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. 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 Listen, (laughs) you. The Abbott and Costello program, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobacco. The Abbott and Costello program, with the modern rhythm of Will Osborne and his orchestra, Iris Adrian, our singing star Connie Haynes, and spotlighting that chunky, chubby little cherub who went caught rubbing floor polish on his Uncle Artie Stebbins' head because he heard it was good for wood, calmly said, I'm a bad boy! Costello, we bought this gas station four days ago. Are you listening to me? Yeah, I'm listening. Go ahead. We bought this gas station four, four days ago. And you you promised to do half the work. Now, uh, you've got uh, Lana Turner's car up there on the grease rack. 
why aren't you greasing it? Because Lana's turn, Lana Turner's car makes me awfully nervous. Oh, how could Lana Turner's car make you nervous? Well, this is the first time I've ever been close to her chassis. Right. <laughs> Look, they'll be after her car in a minute. Now, get it off that hydraulic hoist. And take it easy, please. Okay, okay. All right. Sue you for damages? Sue me for damage? How, how much more damage does she want? No. Look at the car. No, you dummy. She can press a suit against you. Oh, she can <laughs> press a suit against me anytime. Oh. <laughs> you please talk sense. We've got to lift that car up and get it out of there. Uh, where are the jacks? Where are the jacks? Yes, where are the jacks? I quit playing jacks. I couldn't get past my forties. Oh, <laughs> so you play jacks. I suppose you play tiddlywinks too, don't you? Yes, I do. But I don't want to play no tiddlywinks with you. Why not? Because you play with loaded tiddlies. <laughs> All the kids told me. What kids? All the kids on Titty Tabbit Street. Now listen, Costello. Uh, Costello. Uh, Costello. Costello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm getting fed up with this. You haven't done a lick of work around here in four days. Oh, no. Only this morning I cleaned out that little pantry over there. Pantry? Yeah. That's not a pantry. Now he tells me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. Will you listen to me, please? What would they be doing with a pantry and a filling station? Well, I thought maybe that's where they kept the traffic jam. No, no. <laughs> Hello. Abbott and Costello service station. Do you have an oversized head gasket? Yes, I have. How do you get your hat on? <laughs> that was a very funny joke. I'll pull it on Abbott. Hey, Abbott, do you have an oversized head gasket? No, but I have a new pair of cast iron fender pants. Now, what am I going to do with the hat? <laughs> now, there you go again. No wonder people don't come into our filling station. If a customer drove in here right now, you wouldn't know what to do. Yes, I would. Yeah, all right. Suppose the man asked for Ethel. Well, what would you tell him? I'd tell him it was a day off. Uh, no, you, you... You'd put Ethel in the car. I'd put her in his car. I don't even know that girl. Oh, Ethel is tanked in front of the gas station. Oh, you want me to sober her up? No. Please. You mean the kid's got a little bun on? No, 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 nothing of the kind. Listen She's a little me. bit tipsy. Will you listen to me, please? We got a drunken girl in front of the nothing gas station. Nothing of the kind. I'm not talking about that. Look, if a man has a high-speed motor, he wants Ethelteen. He wants what? Ethelteen. That's a new one on me, brother. He wants Ethelteen. And Ethel is two kinds, Ethelteen or Ethelene. Huh? He could give him Ethelene. That's the one I better get to get the laugh. All right, well, get it that way. <laughs> get it the way you want. Go ahead. If, if he wants me to put Ethel on a diet, okay. Now, look, look, look. What would you do if a man drove into our gas station and his motor knocked? I open the door and let it in. No. <laughs> Don't you understand? Don't you understand? He has a mist in his motor. Okay, she can come in town. Uh, just a minute, will you please? The man's motor is missing. Oh, what are you looking at me for? I did a take it. I do go around taking motors, you know. There's other ways of making a buck. All right, I know that. Just forget about it. Look, what, wait a minute. What would you do if a man drove up with a flat tire? I would treat her just like any other lady. No. <laughs> you, you don't understand. That's self-service with me. I understand that. I mean a puncture, you nip with a puncture. Do you know what a puncture is? Oh, yeah. A puncture is a hissing sound followed by naughty words. Right. <laughs> of all the dopes I ever met, that settles it. Take that uniform off and get out of here. Right here and now, I am going to sever my relations with you. You are? Well, yes. while you're at it, I got a knuckle I wish you'd cut up, too. That, He's no. the meanest man I'd I ever... You better never. stop me. He's the meanest well, man yeah, I ever... never mind that. Listen to me. Okay. I mean you're through. Fire. Now, get out of here. Go ahead. You mean I'm all washed up? You heard me. You're firing me, Abbott? You are fired. Please, Abbott. Give me another chance. No, never. We're through. Oh, pilgrims. Pilgrims? Pilgrims? Pilgrim what? Just pilgrims. You stopped my progress. What? <laughs> oh, all right. I'll give you another chance. Now, get in that car there and drive it over to the uh, wash rack. 
It won't start. I tried it. No, what do you mean it won't start? All you have to do is choke your motor. Do what? I said choke your motor. Abbott, do you realize what you're saying? Well, certainly. Choke my motor? Well, that's all you have to do. Do I look like a boy that would choke his own motor? Listen, I don't think you even know where your motor is. Sure I do. She's home with my folder. Your folder? <laughs> your folder? Yeah, just taking care of my little broder and soda. Oh, stop that silliness. I, I don't think you ever had a car. Oh, surely I got a car, Rabbit. Only I can't think of the name of it, that's all. And all I know is that it ends with an act. An act? That's the name of my car. It ends it, with an act. Is it a Pontiac? No. Cadillac? No. Now I remember. It's a maniac. Maniac? Mm -hmm. Every time I drive down the street, everybody says, there goes a maniac. (laughs) You mean that old old broken down jalopy of yours? Do you call that thing a car? What do you mean, broken down jalopy, Abbott? My car's good enough for the army. A big general wants to borrow it. A a general wants to borrow your car? I don't believe it. Oh, yeah. Here's a note. I got a note right here from him. Look what it says. We'll be around to your house in the morning to pick up your car. Signed, General Finance. Tune in on Bud and Lou. And if it's wisdom you want, well, let's go back 2,500 years to wise old Aesop. Experience is the best teacher. Yes, experience is the best teacher. When cigarettes were very scarce not many months ago, most smokers took what they could get. One day, one brand. Another day, some other brand. Now, that experience taught smokers that the costly tobaccos blended in the traditional camel way set camels apart from all others. That fact is proved by today's record demand for camels. As old Aesop also said... Actions speak louder than words. Yes, actions speak louder than words. The actions of today's experienced smokers speak louder than any words about any cigarette. For more smokers are asking for camels today than ever in camel history. Yes, camels are the choice. The choice of millions whose own experience taught them that the expertly blended, costly tobaccos of camels set camels apart. C-A-M-E-L-S Yes, camels are the choice. The choice of experience. Camel presents Will Osborne and the orchestra. It's the rhythm of Tampico. Costello, wait on that girl that just drove in. Hurry up. Okay, well, it'll be, lady. I want some gossip. I'm on my way to the movie studio. I'm working at a picture out at Om Giam. Om Giam? Yes. Are you acquainted with any of the actors at Om Giam? No, but I know the janitor at Republic. <laughs> I... That's right near Universal. <laughs> I'm appearing in a new picture. It's all about the African jungles. The African jungles? <laughs> oh, Abby, you know what the jungles are. That's the home of the Jirif and the Tiger. <laughs> That's where the Mount Kays... The Mount Kays? The Mount Kays eat the... coconuts. <laughs> yes, in one scene, I'm surrounded by savage crocodiles. 
Crocodile. <laughs> yes. Have you ever been frightened by a crocodile? No, but I'm, I've been chased by a skunk. <laughs> Young man, are you trying to mock me? No, I like you a lot. I could go for you. Couldn't you go for me? Absolutely. And here I go. Hey, what was the matter with her? I guess I made her maud. <laughs> hey, Costello, is there another car driving in? Hurry up. See what they want. We're doing a nice business here. Hey, buddy. Huh? Come here. What can I do for you? Shh, not so loud. Yes? Come closer. Yes, sir. How would you like to have a bunch of tires you could sell without priorities? I got a carload of hot tires I could let you have cheap. What? How dare you try to sell me tires without a priority? You are nothing but a crook, a chiseler, and a rat. I have a good notion to report you to the FBI. I am from the FBI. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Comes your girlfriend, lean against her. Abbott, where is that Costello? I'm going to tear him limb from limb. Get out the DDT. Here comes the Black Widow. <laughs> oh, there you are, you inflated meatball. I asked you to put five gallons of gas in my car, and what did you do? Well, we were out of gasoline, so I poured in a case of seven up. such things. Yes, when I got home, I was all broken up. Well, whoever put you back together again certainly did a swell job. <laughs> stop it, Costello, stop it. Oh, I'm sorry about your car, Lena, but I bought you a present. Here's a quart bottle of Channel Number 5. A quart bottle? Mm-hmm. Costello, that's awfully extravagant. Why, oh. a dram would have been enough. Well, I guess I'm just one of those fellas that don't give a dram. <laughs> inhale and come in under beam. <laughs> oh, Costello, I'm fed up with you. Goodbye. Now Lena's walked out on me, too. Everybody's getting hey, this, mad at me. This is certainly a busy day. Hey, another car just pulled up to the uh, grease rack. Hey, bud. Uh, why, it's Ken Niles and Mrs. Niles is with him. Hello, Mrs. Niles. Hello, Mr. Abbott. We came over to try your new station. My, I see you have a nice stack of tires there. Oh, my mistake. That's Mr. Costello. <laughs> Get out the brass knuckles, kids. This is the main event. <laughs> now, you wait a minute, Costello. Don't you start any fights with my wife. You keep on of this, Kenneth. I wear the pants in our family. Gee, I thought you said I could wear them tonight. Well, well Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Niles, what can we do for you? I want to leave my car here to be greased. I'll pick it up in the morning. Uh, come on, Kenneth. I want to get home. You know, I just had my hair washed. Gee, your hair looks lovely. No kidding. I could tell you just had a wash. Oh, you could? Yeah, the laundry tag is still tied to your bangs. <laughs> oh. Oh. You'd better have that car greased and ready for me at 8 o'clock in the morning. Come, Kenneth. Do you hear me? Come along, Kenneth. Give him a little time, will you? His leash is caught around the gasoline pump. How <laughs> oh, dare you insinuate I have Kenneth on a leash? Come, Kenneth. Come on, get busy, Costello. Now look, Abbott. Get to busy, tell you. Costello, and grease Mrs. No, Niles' car. Why do I have to do all the heavy work around here? You know, I'm not a well man. Oh, stop. Now, honest, Abbott, I'm not. I only wish I was as strong as you. Oh, being strong is all in the mind. If you think strong, you'll be strong. Uh, think of Atlas. You'll uh, have a body like Atlas. Think of Hercules. You'll have a body like Hercules. That wouldn't work with me, Abbott. Why not? I keep thinking of Betty Grable. <laughs> Camel's lovely Connie Haynes repeating one of her best along the Navajo Trail. Here's Every day along about evening when the sunlight beginning to fade I ride through the slumber and shadow along 
perfect combination. Like the combination of smoke that tastes right on your tongue and feels right in your throat. And that, by an odd coincidence, would be the smoke of camels. Right, Ken? Well, I think so, but each smoker must decide that for himself. His T-zone must decide. You know, T for taste and T for throat. The zone where smokers test the smoke of any cigarette. Yes, in a cigarette, the smoke's the thing. But only you can judge it. How the smoke on your tongue tastes. How the smoke in your throat feels. Only your T-Zone can tell. For... Experience is the best teacher. Exactly. And a few months ago, when smokers' T-Zones had to sample so many different smokes, countless smokers learned that the costlier tobaccos of camels suited their T-Zones to a T. Yes, they found camels most pleasant in taste, most soothing in the throat. For today, the preference for camels is the greatest in all camel history. In the zone where smokers test the smoke of any cigarette, it's... C-M-E-L-S. Camels are the choice. More smokers are asking for camels today than ever in camel history. Well, uh, Mr. Abbott, is my car all greased and ready? Uh, yes, it is, Mrs. Niles. Uh, Costello, uh, go get Mrs. Niles' car. Uh-oh. Uh, what do you mean, uh-oh? I was afraid she was going to ask for a car again. The car isn't here. My car isn't here. Where is it? Where is my car? I had it out last night. I was testing it, and I had a slight accident. The car is down on Main Street. On Main Street? Well, why didn't you bring it home? It was dark. I couldn't find all the parts. <laughs> you wrecked Mrs. Niles' car? How did it happen? I hit a pedestrian. You hit a pedestrian? Oh, how could that wreck the car? The pedestrian was on a bus. <laughs> car on Main Street? Between 5th and 6th Streets. Oh, will you be specific? Is it nearer 5th or nearer 6th? It's kind of spread out evenly between them. <laughs> oh, you fool. I suppose the car is a total wreck. I couldn't tell very well. Oh. What do you mean you couldn't tell? When I left, the fire department was sifting the ashes. <laughs> Did you hear that, Kenneth? This idiot has destroyed my car. Well, we're not going to stand for this, Costello. You're going to replace my wife's car. We're calling the police. Now, wait a minute, Mr. and Mrs. Niles. I, I, I didn't mean to wreck your car. I'm just a poor little boy trying to get ahead. Well, if you ever get a good one, you'd better hang on to it. <laughs> Mrs. Niles, I'm going to do the gentlemanly thing. I'm going to give you my car. It's a beautiful ten-passenger sedan. You mean ten people can ride in it? No, one rides, the other nine push. <laughs> I don't want your broken-down jalopy. Please, it's a very nice car. Here it is over here, leaning against the wall. <laughs> Come on, hop in, everybody. I'll take you for a spin. All right, all right, Costello. Step on the starter. Okay. Uh, 
Now watch where you're driving. You're up on the sidewalk. Oh, you're People a don't drive on the sidewalk. Oh, you're a stranger in California, eh, bud? I lo- <laughs> look out, look out. Look out, give that pedestrian the right of way. Okay. Ah! You big fat dummy, can't you see where you're going? I got you, didn't I? <laughs> Costello, you blockhead, you bumped in that woman. You told me to. I did not. I said, give her the right of way. Oh, I think it says, give it to her right away. <laughs> oh, here comes the motorcycle cop. All right, pull over to the curfew. I'm Officer Melonhead. Where do you think you're going to, a fire? Hey, Abbott, there's a fire. Come on, let's go see it. Costello, there isn't any fire. This guy just told me there's a fire. I did not. I just asked you if you were going to a fire. Sure, I'll go. I like to watch fire. Listen, Shorty, there isn't any fire. Didn't you just ask me if I was going to a fire? Yes, I did, but I always ask that. Whether there's a fire or not? Yes. Let me smell your breath. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you insinuate that I drink? A bottle has never touched my lips. Oh, a cork sniffer. (laughs) Insulting a police officer, and there's witnesses, too, huh? Who are these two people in the back seat? Uh, that's Mr. and Mrs. Ken Niles. Oh, indeed. And which one is Mrs. Niles? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Officer Mullenhead. I don't go for that kind of remark. Which one is Mrs. Niles? These people's are friends of mine. I'm taking them for a ride in my car. Hey, Abbott, how do you like the guy? Asking me which one is Mrs. Niles. Good for you, Costello. You keep out of this, Ken. <laughs> so that's your attitude. Well, I'll fix you, officer. This man wrecked my car, and now he's trying to palm off this old pile of junk on me. Oh, he is. Is he trying to swindle a woman? Costello, you're going to jail. Uh, you are, Costello. You've got yourself into it again. Well, what's the matter with you? I guess I'm just a failure. I'm the kind of person my mother don't want me to associate with. I'm just an onion. I'm the hamburger of life. I'm just a piece of flotsam going somewhere to get some. <laughs> well, Costello, what are you going to do about the car you wrecked? Mrs. Niles, I'm going to do the decent thing. I'm going to get you a brand new car. What kind of a car are you going to get her? I'll buy a brand new Ford. What's the matter with a Chevrolet? Nothing. Let everybody buy Chevrolets. Just nice. Chevrolets, huh? They shouldn't buy any other car, huh? Let them buy Buicks, Cadillacs, Pontiacs, Hosenfield, Dodgers, Studebakers, Nashes, Packards, Hudson. Sure. What do you care if Chrysler starves? I don't want Chrysler to starve. Let him sell four million hundred automobiles. Oh, now you want to jam the highway so my wife will have to drive three miles an hour, huh? Look, let it drive 30 miles, 50, 70, 80 miles an hour. I How don't do you care. like this guy? My wife is cockeyed. He wants you to drive 80 miles an hour. <laughs> All right, don't let it drive. Let her walk. Oh, she should walk down the street, have the sailors whistling at her. No, no, I don't want the sailors to whistle at her. Mm, now you don't want the sailors to have any fun, huh? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Go on, say it. My wife kisses every sailor in town. Your wife don't kiss every sailor in town. Oh, you know the one she kisses, but you won't tell, huh? <laughs> Wait a minute, Melanie. Wait, why do you take everything I say and switch it for? Switch, huh? Now you're dragging my wife's hair into this. Go on. Tell all the people how ugly my wife looks without her hair. Say it. My no. wife is ugly without her no, hair. No, no, Melonhead. No, I think she's a slick little girl. Oh, slick. My wife looks like a billiard ball with legs. Go on. Go on. Start a rumor. Tell all the people that I married my wife. I only married my wife for her money. Melonhead, I knew your wife before you married her. She was a pauper. She didn't have a red cent. Now he tells me. <laughs> now, just for that, Costello, I've got a good notion to slap your ears down. Oh, you would have said it if you didn't have that policeman's uniform on. Oh, I wouldn't, huh? No, you wouldn't. No, I'd like to see you take that coat off. Oh, I'll take the coat off. Go on, take it off. I'll take it off. Go ahead, take it off. Okay, okay, my coat is off. Well, now what have you got to say? Did anybody ever tell you that you have pretty suspenders? Oh. Costello will be back for Camel Cigarettes in just a moment. And now, this week's salute in the new series of salutes to the men who won the victory. Tonight, we salute the 38th Cyclone Division, heroes of the recapture of Bataan. In your honor, men of the Cyclone Division, the makers of camels are sending to your fellow servicemen overseas 500,000 Camel Cigarettes. two camel radio shows thus honors the different units of the Army, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard, a total of a million camels sent free each week. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States twice a week, are rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are stationed, and in cooperation with the Good Neighbor Policy also to Central and South America. Listen next Thursday when Camel again presents Abbott and Costello. And now here are Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with a final word. 
Well, Costello, Mrs. Niles is still waiting here. She wants to know what you're going to do about that car of hers that you smashed. Yes, Costello, I simply can't get along without transportation. Why, I've never walked anywhere in my life. When I first came to California, I drove clear across this great country. Well, gee, I can't get you the kind of transportation you had when you came out here to California. And why not? They don't make covered wagons anymore. Good night, folks. Good night, Abe Green. Don't forget, buy your 50 bucks. Good night, Abe and Patterson. Good night. Good night, everyone. Costello Show, brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try Camels in your tea zone. See if they don't suit your taste, your throat, to a tea. The Abbott and Costello Show for Camel Cigarettes will be back at this very same time next week. Don't miss it. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant. Good night. That was an episode of Abbott and Costello called Opening a Gas Station, originally broadcast November 29th, 1945 on NBC. Jane, this was your selection for this installment. What made you choose it? I chose this episode because Abbott and Costello were my first true exposure to true classic old-time radio performances. And this goes back to about 1976, 1977, when I was in junior high school. A friend of mine and I were going to audition for the talent show doing Who's On First. And, of course, I, that was back in the day before before you had access to scripts and so you know it was i was with the cassette player playing who's on first over and over again to to translate you know our scripts oh, and you'd listen to a bit then write it down and rewind oh and my write god it yeah, over yeah. and over i mean i just knew it by heart and it's where i really first fell in love with that whole really fast patter of course we'd seen abbott and costello on Saturday afternoon movie matinees and their films and stuff. Uh, but hearing their, yeah, hearing their radio show was was so much fun. Of course, she flaked out, never could commit her part to memory. So we never did do the audition of Who's On First. I've always kind of regretted that. Uh, but that was my first reason. And, of course, my second reason was my, my dad, after he retired from aviation, he owned and operated about four service stations. So, oh. you know, I kind of, I have a personal connection to the whole service station business. And uh, so this was really fun for me and, and uh, to hear the women coming in and say, well, we wanted to check out your new station and that's stuff that I had heard in my own life, in my own household. Uh, so this was fun for me. And, and I just, I, that's why I picked it. Well, great. Uh, I, I've got a, a kind of a, a similar story. When you were doing the uh, the Abbott and Costello thing, I was uh, in junior high transcribing uh, uh, one of Andy Griffith's monologues the same way. I had it on a record, and I was uh, putting the needle down and listening and writing and then uh, picking it up and, and putting it down again. And this was for the Romeo and Juliet monologue, which I did for the speech team. <laughs> in uh in junior high and, and that was a lot of fun so i have that same sort of experience and there were some kids two boys from uh, a competing junior high school who did the abbott and costello thing but i don't think they'd ever heard it i think they just took oh. the script and did it in their own interpretation and it was really boring <laughs> it was really because it was slow it was just um was it uh, like you know, like you, like you would expect from kids in school going? So uh, who was on first? No, who was on second? No, what was on second? Well, was it kind of like that? Yes, groaning? it was really. And then they they sort of. I still remember how they did third base. It was just uh, they looked at each other and said it at the same time. Third base. <laughs> it was oh God. 
There was no excitement. It was just really dull to listen to. Oh, no, not this again. And so I had not um, – I don't think I'd heard it myself by that time because we didn't have cable TV until I got into eighth grade. So I think that was seventh grade, and then eighth grade I didn't I, – I, I heard it for the first time. And I said, those guys did it all wrong. <laughs> but anyway um, – Let's, it's snappy banter, man. It's yeah, snappy. it is so good. But uh, uh, they didn't do that in this one, of course. But um, um, I think they, whenever they ran out of material, they just fell back on who's on first, and and the audience loved it every time. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> uh, Paul, what do you think? Well, um, it it wasn't a slow paced show. I'll say that for it. I mean, it was you know machine gun banter at its best. Wow, oh, and cow, yeah. uh, I. To get that much in now, I'm, I'm being a little picky. I, I thought it was a little uh, sophomoric, maybe. You know, it, it, you it were talking exact... about sophomoric humor. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love sophomoric humor. Humor sometimes. Don't this get me wrong. Was he never big... made it past sophomore year of high school. So, <laughs> I, yeah, because I have no idea what junior humor is like. I never made it to there, but. Well, I know what um, senior humor is like because I'm almost uh, a member of AARP. <laughs> hey, you kids, get off my grass. <laughs> but I thought some of them were a little bit oversimplistic. I thought, wow, is this almost like a, for a kid's show? Some of those jokes that they had. Yeah, uh, it was like Uncle, but, Uncle you know, Louis it, stuff. There were so many of them. They were really good. The timing was awesome, as always. Um, I love I just, it when they crack each other up. Oh, yeah. Or just, <laughs> there was the one point where he was... Uh, uh, I forget. Oh, he was saying something about his uh, motor and his photor. I, I think it was. Yeah. And he goes and to say something and else. And uh, uh, Abbott was supposed to say something to him. He, he goes, "You better save me from this," or something. You know, like he was saying he, he had just a line that he was running with, and he had no idea what he was going to say. But it's like he knew Abbott was supposed to be there, oh, and he oh, didn't that say one. his line yet. He was supposed to say ethylene, and he said ethylene. Was that it? Yeah, Abbott was saying ethylene, and it, there was he was supposed to say ethylene because it led up to a gag. And then uh, uh, Costello said, "You better say that right, so I can get the laugh." <laughs> Something like that. Oh. And he finally said, and he finally so so Abbott finally said ethylene, and he was able to play off that. I know what you're talking that's about. That's what there. makes them, them professionals, you know, to be able to keep running with it and the whole thing not fall apart. I love well, that. Costello was constantly uh, like sticking pins in Abbott uh, because Abbott, like so many others, you know, I mean, he was just, I don't think he rehearsed for this or he, he might have, might've had problems with the written word or something, but there were a lot of flubs on Abbott's part. And so Costello was saying, "You better stop me! You better stop me!" <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of poking him to say, "You better say this line the right way." And um, that's how they got the laughs. I mean, it's it's very much um, a modern day comparison would be uh, Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. Yeah, how the one would make the other laugh because uh, Abbott just took it in stride as the straight man. It's funny stuff. But uh, I, I was said before we started the show, I said that uh, this particular episode had more gags in the first nine minutes than I've heard in any 30 minute comedy show <laughs> in those 30 minutes. Yeah. But a lot of like uh, Paul said, sophomoric stuff. How did you like the Lana Turner lines? I thought they were About, funny. Uh, yeah. Working on <laughs> Lana Turner's car. Yeah, She'll press a suit against you. She can uh, press a suit against me anytime she wants. Anytime she wants. She's going to sue you for damages. How much more damage does she want? <laughs> Look at the car. Yeah. So that, I mean, those are very good gags um, that really, I think, that boost the show, hold hold the show up to, to a particular level. Of and comedy. they even got away with some kind of very subtle sexual humor, too, about choking his motor. Yeah. And it's like real sly, but. You know, grown-ups know what that means. <laughs> we went there. This is a family show. <laughs> yes, it is. And if my family's listening, they love this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's 1945, you know? It's true. It's true. You can't say that stuff on the radio. But, yeah, the, I think they push the, uh, push the boundaries whenever possible. 
their 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 uh, uh, sponsor was probably sitting in the booth looking at it line for line and saying, he wasn't supposed to say that. What's he saying? He's not supposed to say that. <sighs> what did you guys think about the music? You know me, I'm, I like, uh, I'm a fan of mid forties band, but well, big band music. And, uh, I enjoyed both performances. The Connie Haynes performance was uh, wonderful. I really enjoyed her performance as well as the Osborne band, Will Osborne, who was a Canadian. I was just reading about him and, uh, the song um, Tampico was written by uh, another jazz great, a guy by the name of Stan Kenton. Mm-hmm. And later on in Connie Haynes's career, uh, she actually uh, went in Motown Records in the mid 60s. They were diversifying their roster and they were adding white artists. And she was one of the white singers that they signed to Motown. And she recorded an album of 14 songs by Smokey Robinson. And this was in the 60s. And she was actually the first person to do a recording of the song For Once in My Life, which Stevie Wonder had a a big hit with. And she was the first person to record it. And her version wasn't released until 2015. So that's a little bit of music trivia for you uh, this time around regarding her career. Okay. Okay, that's really interesting. I, I did enjoy the music. I like uh, I like the song Tampico. Um and Stan Kenton's original version has vocals, um which yes. is a lot which are a lot of fun. Because it's singing about going down to uh like a tourist who goes down to Tampico. Um and it's just ironic stuff. The the there's a line the senoritas they wave when you arrive at the dock, the native costumes they wear are slacks and bobby socks. <laughs> So it's not old Mexico, in other words. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're Americanized. Clearly. Yes. Yes. So for me, the, the gags a mile a minute were, uh, you know, some good, some bad, but, um, they kept, they kept it going. They sure did. They kept it going. And I really enjoyed when Ken Niles came with his so-called wife and then his wife got into the deal and she was insulting, uh, Costello right and left. Um, and then later on when they're stopped by, were they pulled over by a cop or did a cop just show up? They were up pulled at the gas over station? by officer Melonhead. Melonhead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then that whole, that whole routine where no matter what Costello said, Melonhead found something wrong with it. And, and they're talking about Melonhead's wife. That was, I thought that was really good. So the beginning, it's like you, the, the beginning was like a warm up with all kinds of gags and then you have a music break and they come back and they do an actual sketch where they're, they're talking about the, I guess the gas station and then Niles and his wife come and they have another sketch and then they go. One of the customers is the, is the lady who doesn't have a name, but she says uh, she's going to see the togers at the zoo or something like that. And she mispronounces all the words. And then that gives. Um, jam. Yes. Um, jam. Yes. And that gives Costello an opportunity to make fun of the way she talks. Um, and I've heard her before. I've only heard one episode before this. So I'm not as familiar with the Abbott and Costello radio show other than uh, one other one that I, I got on cassette in 1982, which does include who's on first because it's all about uh, the, the gag in that episode is where uh, Costello has been signed on to the New York Yankees to take Joe DiMaggio's place. When he, cause he hurt his arm or something like that. So the whole running gag and then Abbott is going on as the manager and that leads into them doing who's on first. But, um, that was my only experience. But that woman who spoke funny was in that one too. She did a, a gag about, um, um, a, a Brooklyn Dodgers culture. And <clears throat> Abbott says we can, uh, <laughs> get him a job as a short stoop. <clears throat> But anyway, anyway, um, so lots of good stuff here. Some not so good stuff, but, you know, it's a product of its time, I think. Of course, uh, it took place, you know, the war wrapped up just a few months before. Uh, I I liked how they continued to salute uh, various uh, 
divisions of the military who had served. And in this particular show, they were saluting the 38th Cyclone Division. And those guys were heroes in the recapture of Bataan. So I do like uh, that, you know, it is this true slice of life kind of reminding us and uh, the, about the patriotism that was still very prevalent at that time. And the, given the shout outs to the members of the military. Yeah. And apparently there was still rationing going on because um, one of the gas talking about the cigarette coupons, the coupons uh, for the mm-hmm. gas. The ration coupons that uh, somebody that somebody didn't have. I don't know. I don't remember that one exactly. But post-war rationing was still ongoing in America, apparently. But uh, they saluted them by sending them 50,000 cigarettes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they, uh, of course, you know, Ironic. you have to mention your sponsors. And uh, they mentioned that uh, over a million camel cigarettes uh, were being sent to members of the military every week yeah. for free. Uh, and just to point out, I, I found a script for this program on a, on a university website that uh, has collections of documents pertaining to the tobacco industry. Of course, now many of us, uh, some of us who are reformed smokers, and of course the people of our parents and our grandparents' generation who were listening to these shows, you know, growing up smoking – and it's a tough thing to quit. And Pete and I were talking about this earlier. We've both quit smoking. Uh, and I just want to say that for those listeners out there who maybe that was on your list of things uh, to no longer do this year, your resolutions, if you're trying to quit nicotine smoking, we wish you the best of luck. We sure and do. We do not endorse about that. We do not endorse the sponsors of these programs that we uh, put out, especially the cigarette ones. We say, if, if you don't smoke, don't start. And if you do smoke, try to quit. Do your best to quit. It's uh, much better um, than actually smoking. Yes. <laughs> and, and and people think that uh, vaping is a safe alternative when it, it just seems like the data is showing more and more that it's no different health-wise for you than smoking cigarettes. It's, it's not good it's it's not a safe alternative so yeah skip the vaping too absolutely good advice good advice okay well um and that's all the okay boomerang we're gonna do (laughs) yeah we'll get down off of our cigarette cartons now this episode brought to you by camel (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna play one of my uh uh cigarette parodies uh, commercials at the end of this. So uh, you get an idea of how I feel about smoking. Um, okay. So we ready to vote? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> well, I think we need a little more of a pause there. Okay. Is, let me try that again. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Are we ready to vote? Heck yeah. Yes. Okay. Very good. So what are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on, one, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and B, whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Jane, since this was your selection, please go first. Well, thank you very much. I am going to vote thumbs up on number one. Uh, I think it's a good representation of Abbott and Costello. Um, of course, it all comes down to a, m- a matter of personal preference, but I think this is a, 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 a is a fine representation of what Abbott and Costello uh, were all about. Um, standalone show, I think. I think it belongs in uh, in an aficionados collection definitely uh i'm uh, and um so yeah two thumb that from for me yes and yes okay excellent uh paul what do you have to say about that i will i'm not as wholehearted as as jane but i do like the show i mean it started off a bit rough for me it's like are you sure this isn't a kid's show <laughs> but it got better as it went along like i said after the music break when they got into more of an actual skit that was much more enjoyable so I am giving it a tentative, but yet a thumbs up. Okay. So that um, you feel it's a representative of the overall series? Yes, I think it, I think it is representative of Abbott and Costello. It's uh, 
representative of how essentially they pace their radio shows in general. And yes, I think it's overall, it's, it's a good show that maybe people who are like we are here for just getting into old time radio would be a good place for them to break into Abbott and Costello. Don't go right for the jugular with who's on first stuff, but work your way in over here. Okay. As for me, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the second and third acts pretty much of the show. Uh, I did admit earlier that I've only heard one other episode of Abbott and Costello, and I can't say for sure if this is a representative of the series because I've only heard one other episode, but it is, I think, definitely representative of Abbott and Costello based on movies I've seen. And I used to watch their TV show in reruns. They played them on uh, public TV at some point in my life, and I was watching every day. Uh, so I know that their uh, the the comedy didn't change. It was um, a straight man and a comedian. If you like Abbott and Costello, then put this in your collection. Um, if you like comedy, uh, put it in your collection. But otherwise, <laughs> I, I'm kind of iffy about it. Do what I, you want. We don't. <laughs> I kind of iffy about it. So yeah, but uh, I do like Abbott and Costello. I just. There were certain parts of this that fell flat for me, so I can't say a definite thumbs up in um, those categories. Okay? Anybody else have anything to say? Anything um, to add? I would like to get my hands on one of their first radio broadcasts from, like, I think it was 38, before they did a Who's On First. Because I, I from what I read about Abbott and Costello in the beginning, um, Lou was just using his normal voice. And unfortunately, Lou's voice and Abbott's voice were pretty close together. And so when they were doing their bits, because, you know, it's such a machine gun banter that people didn't know who was actually doing the talking. And so that's why uh, uh, Lou had uh, started affecting this kind of higher pitched, whiny kind of kid's voice. So that way they could disseminate on who's actually delivering what line and everything. And so I'd like to hear one of those early ones where I would where I can actually just sit there and go. Wait, who, wait a minute. Who is it? No, wait a minute. Who is that? Who is that? <laughs> you know, I think it'd be kind of fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it would. What, what was that uh, Colgate Comedy Hour or something like that? I think they that they appeared on before they got their own show. I so, think that was. It may be. It may uh, be well, something. actually, I think the first thing they were on was the Kate Smith Hour. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was in 38. And I think it might have uh, they, they weren't a replacement. Uh, until they took over, uh, like, the summer replacement for Fred Allen, and that was in 40. Okay. That's right. So mm-hmm. about what time did uh, Costello, was it, like, right away they said you need to change your voice? Because I thought he just I talked like that I think it was just naturally. after the first couple of times they were on the Kate Smith hour that they decided to change stuff. Because I, I think when they were, oh, heck, what was it? Um, they did a... Rolled in a Broadway the Broadway review the the streets of Paris in thirty nine, they had their characters more fully developed by then. So it was obviously sometime between February thirty eight and this particular time in thirty nine. So okay. somewhere in there. See that, folks? We bring you a history lesson in every episode. I love that. That's great. Very good to know. We're here to educate you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel smart now. <laughs> Okay, so this brings us to the end of episode 10 of Old Time Radio Essentials with Jane St. John, Pete Lutz, and, and me, Paul Arbizia. Are you <laughs> sure? I forgot to change that part. Okay, <laughs> let me start again. <laughs> I'd rather be Paul BC myself. Okay. I <laughs> Great, that brings us to the end of episode 10 of Old Time Radio Essentials with Jane St. John, Paul BC, and me, Pete Lutz. Next time, the cycle comes around to Paul again, and he's bringing us... Next time, we bring you an episode of X-1, a science fiction series from NBC, originally aired in 1956. X-1 has long been considered one of the first sci-fi shows for adults, and usually featured adaptations of short stories from up-and-coming authors. This episode is no exception, featuring... Sea Shoot, a story written by Isaac Asimov. 
So that's next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Paul, Jane, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Find us at www.mutualaudionetwork.com or www.naradaradio.libsyn.com on iTunes under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company and on any podcatcher you may happen to use. Like us on Facebook at Mutual Audio Fans and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends. On Twitter at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at F6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F. The number six, the word point, and the number three at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line, just like the oils. (laughs) Well, friends, the time has come to break some sad news. Co-host Jane has informed us that she must leave us. So this will be her final appearance on Old Time Radio Essentials. Jane, I've really loved having you as part of the show. You know, your insight, (laughs) your choices, your opinions, and your sense of humor have truly made this an enjoyable experience for me and, I hope, for our listeners. I wish you much success. I don't know how Paul feels about it, but I wish you much success (laughs) in your future endeavors. And I hope 2020 is an excellent year for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm leaving. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I've had uh, it was real. I was really honored and and, and well chuffed uh, when you invited me to uh, participate in this podcast. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been very enlightening, and I've learned a lot, a lot, and I've certainly developed a, a, a new taste and appreciation and affinity for old time radio casts. They've been uh, I, I enjoy them, and I and I hope that people continue to explore. Uh, old time radio essentials with you two guys because you know your stuff and it's been fun uh, working with you. I'm just gonna take uh, take on some new things here uh, over the next couple of months and and uh, take care of some stuff I need to do and uh, I might circle back. I hope you all let me come back. Well, of course. Okay, so uh, on behalf of the departing Jane and the staying Paul. <laughs> This is Pete Lutz saying thanks for listening, and we hope you will join us again next time for X-1 on Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye, everybody. Take care. Wait a minute. D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y Dromedary cigarettes The smoke with only one hum Friends, have you tried new, improved dromedary cigarettes? Smokers all over the country are singing the praises of D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y Dromedary cigarettes The smoke with only one hump Ask a dromedary smoker and he'll tell you that dromedaries are a light smoke, easy on the draw and easy on the throat. Here's one now. Sir? Sir, are you a dromedary smoker? Yes. I smoke between two and three packs of dromedary a day, and I find them to be very easy on the draw and easy on my throat. And how long have you been smoking dromedaries, sir? Since I was 16 years old. Well, the makers of dromedary cigarettes, thank you for your many faithful years of business, sir. And how old are you now? Seventeen. (coughs) Remember, friends, dromedary cigarettes are easy on the draw, easy on the throat, and not a cough in a cartoon. Sorry, that's carton. Dromedary cigarettes, the smoke with only one hump. Not a cough in a cartoon. D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y 63 Audio This is Mutual
Hi there, are you a fan of all things horror? Yeah, you are? Well, in that case, find Tuesday Terrors, which is the mutual audio feed that comes out on a Tuesday, believe it or not. Shock horror, I know. But if you subscribe there, you'll find amazing horror fiction audio in your player every Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday Terrors, subscribe to the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>